Sean, what are you what are you doing over there, dude? Are you are you pleasuring yourself? I'm just tucking my shirt in. Oh, again? You've tucked it in like three times since we walked in here. Vigorously. So speaking of pleasure, did anybody have Welcome the pleasure of watching the debate the last show. night? No. No. Watch. Neither of you Shut watched it. Okay, well it was uh I will say it wasn't as much of a shit show as the first one. Uh they were both more measured in their responses. But just one time, I wish that a candidate would turn to the other one. Either one of them can do this. Turn to the other one and in reply say, well, that's debatable. But this is not a parliamentary procedure podcast. Welcome to season seven, episode 23 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs like us decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Travanessa Kensington, <laughs> aka Mecca Travazilla. Oh yeah, <laughs> aka Travirtuosity. There you go. And I will be your host. And I'm joined, as always, here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, zero one zero one zero zero one one zero one zero one zero zero one one. And we are also extremely excited to welcome back to the show, Chop Shop Regulator. Zero one zero 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 one one zero one zero one zero zero one one one. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Thank Thanks you for having out, me. <laughs> and and so um, that was binary for your initials. If people nice. go back and listen to it, they can type it in and it'll give them your real initials. Further description of the show: the tagline says, "Watch Chop Retrofit," because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Deactivate. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. At our prime directive. Yeah. That will bring us to our first segment for tonight, which is going to be movie news. And this is where we try to pay attention throughout the week to stories that relate to our show or that our listeners might find interesting. And it was a, a kind of a heavy week for yeah. movie news. Oh, yeah. It was yesterday, uh, Thursday, as of this recording. Sean, you were like, too much movie news. <laughs> yes. And so, like, if something happened between then and now or by the time this goes kerplunk, sorry, but we were just overwhelmed with so many stories. First up, we've got an R.I.P., uh, rest in peace and rest in power to Rhonda Fleming, queen of Technicolor, who appeared in Spellbound, uh, died at the age of 97. Uh, as we like to say, good run. Mm -hmm. And Spellbound, was that a Hitchcock movie? Yes. And it was also a Saul Bass illustrated intro? Sure. Good deal. Dana, correct me if I'm wrong. Next, uh, this is movie news adjacent. Bruce Willis stars in a commercial for Die Hard Car Batteries. And hopefully it's going to be out just in time for Christmas. This is sad. Jeff Bridges, Oscar-winning U.S. actor, reveals that he has lymphoma, uh, but he says that the prognosis is pretty good. Jeff Bridges, that is. The, the dude. The dude abides. Also sad news. Robert Redford, retired actor, mourns the death of his son James, age 58, who died of liver cancer. When did Robert Redford retire? <laughs> Didn't he just have a movie like The Old Man and the Gun? Yeah, Is that not, his last movie? Not too long ago. Uh, it's also surprising to me that Robert Redford had a son who was 58. That just uh, goes to show the longevity of Robert Redford. Next, uh, Wicked director Stephen Daldry exits Universal Movie Musical Adaptation of Wicked. 
And Sean, what was your response to this? I'll watch it if there's a butthole cut. <laughs> Wicked buttholes. <laughs> Kevin Smith reveals everyone who's going to return for Twilight of the Mall Rats. Now, he had planned a sequel to Mall Rats called Mall Rats 2 like 10 years ago, and it never came to fruition. And there was a story about how uh, it was going to be focused on the original cast's kids. Uh, but apparently he's, I don't know if that's going to be the case, but he is bringing back all of the original people. Uh, your uh, your Jeremy London, your uh, Jason Lee. Was it Jason London or, J- or Jeremy? Jeremy London. London Jeremy Jason London, Jason Lee, Lee Shannon Doherty. Um, so the list goes on. But... In my opinion, it doesn't need to happen. It shouldn't uh-huh. happen. It goes against everything we stand for on this show. You know who's not returning for that sequel? Who? Audiences. Oh, oh shit. Deep cuts. <laughs> Next, AMC. Speaking of theaters, AMC plans to sell 15 million shares and warns investors of potential bankruptcy. So they're selling 15 million shares <laughs> to investors, but they're like, warning, buyer beware. <laughs> Uh, next, speaking of awful, Fast and Furious franchise is going to end after just two more films. Oh my goodness. We're going to get to Fast and Furious 11 in space. I think. That's what we hear. That's the word on the street. And and that doesn't even count Tokyo Drift, I think. I think that that one doesn't count. Or Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, Jesus. It's I'm I'm done with it. I'm done. Uh, speaking of sequels, a Willow sequel TV show confirmed by Disney+. Plus. How do you feel about that, Chelsea? Uh, Super excited. Okay, so even though it's a sequel and it's kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exhuming nostalgia from our childhood. You're still okay with it? Yeah. As long as they get Warwick Davis and anybody but Val Kilmer. (laughs) Next, this is going to be our story of the week, and it's a two-parter. Rudy Giuliani caught in compromising position in new Borat film. Do you want to elaborate? I mean, (laughs) if you haven't heard the article yet uh, or seen the film, he's being interviewed by a attractive young reporter Uh for a supposed conservative news program. Uh And she suggests they go back to her hotel room to have drinks. And at some point, Rudy Giuliani reclines fully on the bed, reaches into his pants, and what appears to be touching his genitals. Uh-huh. At that point, uh, Borat breaks into the room and says, no, no, she's this is 15. My, she's 15. She's my sister. And Giuliani claims that he was tucking in his shirt. Oh, okay. So that's your excuse too? But as you know, <laughs> we all lie down on a bed to tuck in our shirt. Yeah, I mean, that's the easiest way. Yeah. Gravity and whatnot. Uh, so also, the same movie we're talking about, the Borat sequel, dropped early on Amazon Prime moments before the debate last night. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. I think I hear a phone ringing. That must mean it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Here's Dana. Nathan Fillion's character on Firefly was Captain Mal Reynolds. I was thinking maybe the reason there aren't many or any axe murderer movies featuring lumberjacks is because lumberjacks tend to be from Wisconsin or Minnesota or Canada. Andrew, Chelsea, and those peeps tend to be really polite. They probably wouldn't kill a soul unless it had bark. Fun fact, in February 2019, when Kane was mayor of Knoxville, 
he made a bet with Linda Gorton, the mayor of Lexington. The winner of the UK-UT basketball game would have to take the other mayor to lunch and wear the opposing team's colors. UK won that game. I'm off to brew myself a cup of cubby wubby womb room tea. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Dana, for that. And you didn't even catch the fact that Sean was wrong about Julie Bowen being in Happy Madison. She was not. She was in, I'm sorry, she was uh-huh. not in Billy Madison. <laughs> she was in Happy Gilmore, but she was not a teacher. Easy. She was like a representative of the tournament. Yeah. Whoa, 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 wait. Did she say womb tea? Oh, Dana, is there? are you expecting a new inmate? <laughs> <laughs> All right. That will close the doors on the Department of Corrections for this week. And that brings us to the theme of our episode for the fourth directive of our annual October horror series. This week, we're going to be talking about evil robot movies. And I'm kind of excited about this. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. For example, Uh, distinguishing between AI and robots. And a robot. I didn't even know that this was going to be part of the discussion and that was brought to my attention pretty quickly by you. Right. So um, we were talking about how the trope of an evil robot is one that recurs in cinema and fiction in general. And how do you draw the line? How do you say whether or not a robot is evil when they are usually programmed by humans? Uh, So it would have to be the artificial intelligence line. Uh, So if they are of their own free will, yes, then I guess they could be considered evil if they indeed take that free will and mm-hmm. do malevolent things. Um, also, the the first Asimov rule of robotics is that robots can't hurt people. So the a robot hurting people breaks the very first law. Thoughts, Sean? Well, if you abide by that, then the line becomes pretty black and white. Mm-hmm. But I, going back to what you said about being artificial and artificially intelligent, you have, you know, Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Right. Um, you've got uh, Skynet from the Terminator series. Mm-hmm. Um, HAL 9000 from 2001 Space Odyssey, where a, a decision is made to do something that's off off grid, off programming. Um, Ash from the Alien films, indeed, his actions were detrimental to the crew. Bender and... from Futurama. That little fucker from Space Camp. <laughs> ah, yeah, the Good the, call. the big bad in Space Camp. <laughs> <laughs> but then you've got others like the Gunslinger from the Westworld series. Was he yeah. evil? He did evil things, correct? By the Isaac Asimov rule, but you can attribute it to faulty programming because outside of bad programming. He wasn't really evil. He was just misinterpreting threats. The only evil thing that the gunslinger did was agreeing to be in the sequel Future World. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Uh, But that also follows suit like Ed 209 and Robocop. Uh That uh, was a robot who misinterpreted a threat. And it's not necessarily evil. He's just kind of screwed up. Malfunctioning. Uh, Red Planet. We talked about this earlier this week. Amy, uh, the robot, was misinterpreting its crew as a threat. Yeah. So... Yeah, the line's kind of, uh, it gets down to artificial intelligence for me, at least. Well, see, I don't, the first law thing, I don't think it makes it black and white unless hurt is defined. Are you talking physically? Are you talking emotionally? 
what are you talking here? If a, if a robot's just teasing you, does that make it evil? Well, no, it's, <laughs> is a, it's subjective. Is a robot bully, Chelsea? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm curious because yeah. it plays into my double feature. Okay. Because I think this whole thing becomes really subjective. True. Um, so very briefly, the, the notion of uh, robots and automatons goes back way before cinema. Um, but it is a pretty uh, classic like we said, trope or device to use in science fiction, A, because it's really cool, and B, because a lot of times you can get human actors to play those robots. Good examples would be C-3PO and R2-D2. Now, you can argue whether or not R2-D2 is malevolent, but... <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think, that, I think that's a good starting point, a good foundation for us to move from. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's get into our next segment which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where each of us on the panel talk about two movies that are within our subject at hand and why they would be a good pairing for a double feature. And who would like to go first? Uh, I will. All right, sounds good. Um, so I'm going to start with 2008's Wally. Um, and I'm pairing that with... Sorry. The Stepford Wives. No. <laughs> 2014's Big Hero 6. Oh, I like Big Hero 6. I do too, but this Was is... the robot's name Betamax? Baymax. Baymax. Okay, I kept getting confused. Are these both Disney Pixars? I think so, but I don't know. I'm not 100%. I know I for know. sure that Wally is. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it sounds like... It seems like Big Hero 6, 6 was as well. Yeah, I believe so. Dana. Um... But here's here's the thing. Here's where I get confused about hurting someone, okay. especially in Big Hero Six, who yes. I love. I love Baymax. I love this movie. But when he first comes to life after um, the kid's brother died, yes, he just wanted him to go away. Mm -hmm. Constantly reminding him of his brother, playing recordings, even so much as to hugging him to sort of hurt him, like ow uh, after that fire. I mean, where do you draw the line? That's true. That's a good point. Um, what about Wally? What's your evil in that? Is it the the how the how nine thousand yeah. ripoff? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name of that robot. I can't there either. Were, there was a kind of stereotypical evil robot in there. All right, good job. Uh, Sean, what are you thinking about for your double feature? <clears throat> I am going to retread a film that you brought up during the Wes Craven episode uh -huh. for your double feature. Yes. It's Deadly Friend from nineteen eighty six. Um. What you failed to mention in your recap uh -huh. was the awesome, awesome basketball scene. Yeah, that was pretty dope. Okay. So listen, I was on the road for like four and a half hours, uh -huh. and I get back, and Sean and Allie are like, "You have to, you you, you have to come see this. You have to yes. come see this." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And they're like showing me this, and they're fucking dying laughing. Yes. And I'm just like. I've been on the road forever, and now I'm like watching someone be murdered by a fucking basketball. Yes, for the listeners, spoiler alert: um, Christy Swanson's Christy character Swanson. uh, projects a basketball at somebody so hard and fast that it <laughs> yeah it explodes their head. It's actually uh, Mama from Throw Mama from the Train. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Is so, that also the the mom from the Goonies. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So so quick recap for anybody who missed that episode. You've got a guy who creates a, a shitty robot called BB, mm -hmm. and he's essentially the same robot essentially from from Space Camp. Uh, just a crappy robot, right? But it kind of takes a shine to Christy Swanson's character, and BB's destroyed. 
buy a basketball? I anyway. Um, he became BB-8 from Star Wars. And Christy Swanson dies in a fall with her abusive father. Yes. And BB supplants its consciousness in a, a Christy Swanson's body mm-hmm. and thus becoming a killing machine. Yeah, and the only reason that she becomes a uh, horrific killing robot is because she has BB's consciousness in her. Yeah. So is, is she evil or is <clears throat> BB evil? Don't know, but it was a fun movie. It's, yeah, it it's was. crazy. It was fun. It's crazy off the charts. So I'm, I'm pairing that because it starts out so innocently and ends so maniacally. Mm-hmm. I'm pairing that with 1988's Child's Play. Yes. Which, of course, everyone knows uh, you've got a toy robot based on the... Uh, my buddy, I guess, would be the yeah. toy. But it, it was essentially the Teddy Ruxpin type of robot. Do you remember my buddy's kid sister's name? No. Kid sister. Oh God! So you've got uh, the the killer Charles Lee Ray, uh, played by Brad Dorif. Dorif, and uh, he becomes the voice of Chucky. His consciousness gets into Chucky, and he goes on a murdering, killing spree. And uh, I would say that's probably a truly evil robot. And uh, he, Brad Dorif, that is uh, reprised that role in many, many of the sequels. Uh, I think all except for the most recent one. Right, he was not in the reboot. That was Mark Hamill. Correct. All right, so I'm taking it in a, a kind of different direction. I'm going with uh, adult-themed animation. Uh, the first one is Wizards from 1977, and it was directed and animated by Ralph Bakshi. Mm-hmm. Am I saying his name right? Yes. I want to get that right. He's still with us. Uh, this movie has a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like I said, came out in 1977. After the death of his mother, the evil mutant wizard Black Wolf discovers some long-lost military technologies. Full of ego and ambition, Black Wolf claims his mother's throne, assembles an army, and sets out to brainwash and conquer Earth. Meanwhile, Black Wolf's gentle twin brother, the bearded and sage Avatar, uh, calls upon his own magical abilities to foil Black Wolf's plans for world domination, even if it means destroying his own flesh and blood. Uh, and the evil robot in this is sent by Black Wolf to destroy all of the people who believe in magic, and the evil robot's name is Necron99. <laughs> Uh, then we've got uh, another classic animation. I got in trouble for, for watching this when I was like a teenager. Uh, Heavy Metal, 1981. Yeah. 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. The overall film was directed by uh, a man named Gerald Potterton, but there was eight or nine segments directed by other people. I'm going to give them credit right here. We've got John Bruno, who directed Soft Landing. John Hallis, who directed So Beautiful and So Dangerous, and that's where the um, malfunctioning android comes into play. Uh, Also, we've got Julian Harris, uh, who directed Captain Stern. Jimmy T. Marakami, who directed Soft Landing as well. I guess he was involved with that. Barry Nelson directed B-17. Paul Sabella, also on Captain Stern. Jack Stokes uh, for the segment Den. Pino Van Lamsweird. Pino <laughs> Van Lamsweird is my favorite name I've ever heard. Uh, he directed the segment Harry Canyon. <laughs> and then Harold Whitaker directed the segment Grimaldi. It was produced by Ivan Reitman. 
and um, also Leonard Mogul, who was the publisher of Heavy Metal Magazine. And it featured a lot of the same types of stories that would appear in Heavy Metal Magazine. Uh, and that was the basis for the film. We also have the voices of Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, Harold Ramis, rest in peace, John Candy, rest in peace, uh, to name a few of the big ones. So adventures from deep space to futuristic New York and beyond. Each world and story is dominated by the presence of the Lochnar, the sum of all evils manifest as a glowing green sphere whose power infects all times, all galaxies, all dimensions. So I mentioned that it has a, um, a malfunctioning android named Anrak. Does that sum it up? Yes. yes. I think these are both awesome and they're both uh, kind of a little bit obscure. Uh, they're both kind of cult classics and uh, I think they would make a great double feature. Yeah, they would make a good double feature. Mm -hmm. All right. So will that wrap us up on the midnight double feature? Yes. Which brings us to our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a pre-selected film and we talk about it a little bit. And then we go around the panel, hypothetically recasting a few of the main actors. And in this one, there's only three actors, right? Yep, the whole film. The whole movie. We've got three actors. And it is Saturn 3 from 1980, directed by Stanley Donan and John Barry. Uh, and there's a reason that it's got two directors. One of them, well, we'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, it's got an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it could be higher. I think it should be higher. Yeah. Uh, it gets a lot of flack for being kind of a ripoff of Alien, but... Uh, John Barry had the idea for this like six years before Alien came out. So two lovers stationed at a remote base in the asteroid fields of Saturn are intruded upon by a retentive technocrat from Earth and his charge, a malevolent eight-foot robot. The robot is dismantled but soon finds a way of putting his parts back in the right order and continuing his quest. Uh, what else? Um, eventually he gets the face of, of Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. <laughs> yes. uh, Stanley Donan was dissatisfied with Harvey Keitel and the two men had a poor working relationship. A friend of Keitel said the actor, quote, hated everything and everybody on that film. Dang. Uh, John Barry, the original director, was an accomplished production designer at the time. He had worked on Superman and Star Wars and uh, following these box office hits, Barry was given the chance to direct his own project, uh, the science fiction film Saturn III. During filming, Barry fell out with the movie's star, Kirk Douglas, and was replaced by Stanley Donan, who was the producer he had been working with from the beginning. It was their project, so they replaced him with his partner. That sucks. Uh, he was soon hired again by George Lucas as a second unit director on The Empire Strikes Back. However... On the 31st of May, 1979, two weeks into filming, he collapsed on set and was hospitalized with a 104-degree temperature. He died at 2 a.m. on June 1st. Wow. So I'm not saying that Kirk Douglas killed him, but I'm not not saying that Kirk Douglas killed him. I'll, uh, I'll put it on uh, his chin. It's, it he, was, was actually, he was beaten by Kirk Douglas's chin. It was actually meningitis, but Kirk Douglas <laughs> totally could have dosed him with meningitis. Is that about sum it up? Yeah, I mean, it's okay. The production design's really quite good in this. We've got a um, major age disparity between yeah, Kirk Douglas and there Farrah is, Fawcett. There is a 31-year difference between Correct. these lovers. But hey, you know, uh, uh, 
out of out of a strange environment and mm-hmm. loneliness. Uh, I guess it makes strange bedfellows. I don't know. Fair well, enough. Here's the thing. Like I knew there was an age difference, uh-huh. but seeing them on screen together, I I wasn't uncomfortable. You weren't that bothered. Like as maybe I should have been. I don't know. I just it didn't bug me. I thought they had really good chemistry. Yeah, I did too. Gotcha. And that's saying a lot considering I don't consider Farrah Fawcett to be that talented. Oh, she's definitely not, not that talented of no, an actress. She was a she was a sex symbol. Oh, um, I, springboarding off of uh, Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels, of course. The thing that you mentioned to me this week was that Harvey Keitel's voice parts were overdubbed. Uh, well, I kept saying that it sounded like William Shatner. Shatner. Yeah, but I did it, not put it in here. It's but not the uh, director Stanley Donen wanted Keitel's character to be more refined, and he wasn't happy with the voice performance, and so he wanted to. He wanted Harvey Keitel to come back in for re-looping yeah. in the studio, and Keitel refused because he already had a bad taste <laughs> he was already in his pissed mouth. Off. Yes. All right, so let's get into these roles. First, we've got Alex, played by Farrah Fawcett, who was 33 at the time. Then we've got Benson, played by Harvey Keitel, who was 41. And then Adam, played by Kirk Douglas, uh, who was 64. Chelsea, are you going first with yours? Sure. All right, who is your Alex? Uh, my actress was in Spring Breakers, and she was on Pretty Little Liars, and I've used her before. I went with Ashley Benson. Okay. And is there any particular reason you went with her? Is it uh, age-appropriate? Well, or it, She's, just she's age-appropriate, appro- age but Farrah Fawcett's just kind of a blonde bombshell. Uh-huh. So is Ashley Benson. What's but the word I'm looking for? Vapid? She, vapid? No. No? Is maybe that not right? vivacious? You can use vapid for mine, though. Okay. Um, but Ashley Benson can actually act. All right. Go ahead. So, yeah, I was thinking, uh, I went with a brunette this time, but I did go for looks Mm -hmm. and not necessarily acting skill. Um, this actress is 34 years old and, uh, some of her highlights to her career are Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, and the now cult classic Jennifer's Body. I went with Ugh. Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Yeah. Uh, isn't she like super pregnant right now or just had a baby with Brian Austin Green? I think she's trashy AF. I do not think there's anything attractive about her. She looks like she needs a shower. Okay. All right. Well, she's... Um, We've struck a nerve with Chelsea. She definitely... I just I don't I think understand. that she was typecast a bit Ooh, early sorry. on in her career. And part of the reason that Jennifer's body wasn't as well received as it could have been was because of that kind of typecasting and those stereotypes around her. I'm not a Megan Fox apologist. I'm just... <laughs> I just don't understand the, the fascination with her looks. Gotcha. That's all. Yeah, and she doesn't even look the same as she used to because she's no. had plastique. My pick, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. My Alex is 43 now. I aged her up a little bit to make the age difference just a little bit less of a discrepancy. And uh, she was in... Well, I should say she's she's a good actress and she's very pretty, but she's a redhead, Sean. Uh, she was in True Detective Season 2. She was in Pride and Prejudice, the Kira Knightley one. She was in Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. one. And she was in Flight, the Denzel Washington one. <laughs> Her name is Kelly Riley. Kelly Riley is going to be my Alex in this film. I like that, yeah. Next up, we've got Benson... And not the not the butler from that 80s show. He's a technocrat. Uh, he shows up and he he wishes to have pleasure from Farrah Fawcett. And she's like, I'm with so-and-so. And he's like, 
for his pleasure exclusively? That's illegal on earth. <laughs> Benson, played by Harvey Keitel, he was 41. And who did you go with for this? So listen, I have two because mm -hmm. I cast Harvey Keitel and Hector mm. and they could be interchangeable. Yeah. And I really couldn't decide. So He took the his face off. Yeah, like that. <laughs> the first one, um, it's the guy that plays Lucifer in Lucifer. Oh yeah. Um, Tom Ellis. Okay. So and then the other one? Uh the most evil human, in my opinion, in the world, Mr. John fucking Ham. John Ham. Hate him. You really have it out for John Ham. I don't like him. <laughs> Jeez. All right, Sean, who are you going with for our Benson? Well, I got my, my brain went down a path after I picked up on the voice. So mm -hmm. um, this actor is in Wonder Woman, and uh, he's, oh, yeah. in, he's in all the Star Trek reboots. I went with Chris Pine. All right. So my pick for Benson, who was played by Harvey Keitel, is 42 now. He's, he's one year older. Uh, he got his big breakout role in American Beauty. He was in The Hunger Games. He was in Interstellar and three seasons of American Horror Story, Freak Show, Hotel, and Roanoke. His name is Wes Bentley. That's a good one. He's creepy. Yeah, he's creepy, and he's got that very kind of like button-downed, austere quality. Yeah, I like that. Next is Adam, originally played by Kirk Douglas, who was 64 at the time. And who was your pick for this one, Chelsea? Um, First, uh, did you see who my pick was just yeah, now? Yeah, I saw it. Okay, I had we'll, to move. All right, don't don't say anything. I'm really excited about my yes? pick. Yes? Yeah. Uh, this actor was in Top Gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> Roxanne. Okay. The Terminator. Oh, all right. Navy Seals. Was also on a little show called Pacific Blue. Yep. yep. Okay. <laughs> I went with Rick Rossovic. Oh, wow. I'm obsessed with it. Interesting. So he was the, the dummy firefighter in yeah. Roxanne? Oh, God. Okay. Yeah, you're going for the chin, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. 100%. Yeah. The chin. All right, Sean. Well, I kind of went for the chin, too. <laughs> My actor's 62 years old. Gotcha. Surprisingly. He was in Eastern Promises, Captain Fantastic, The Road, and The Lord of the Rings. Yes. And with Vigo Morton. Vigo. Nice. Very sculpted chin. Yeah, he's the man, too. I would love to see him and Mads Mikkelsen in something together. I think they could like play uh, like Hitman Brothers or something. I think that would be cool. Yeah, the credits would be cool. Mortensen, Mikkelsen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mads and Vigo. Uh, so my pick is... Uh, he doesn't have as much of the dimpled chin as your guys. He's uh, 65 now. He was in movies like Silverado, uh, Waterworld, Dances with Wolves. His name is Kevin Costner. Never heard of him. Kevin Costner is 65. And what did my three actors have in common? This is just for my lovely wife, Michelle. Drink. Uh, they're all in the TV show Yellowstone oh, on the Paramount oh, Network. Gotcha. She's a big I fan of that it. show. I've seen a few episodes here and there, and it's not bad. I think they actually just finished up their season three. All right. Is that it for recasts on Saturn 3? There's only Saturn 3 people in the movie. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, though. I liked it. Yeah, I did, too. I enjoyed I it, too. I was, I was shocked. At the, uh, I thought it was so nice. Screen. I watched it twice. I don't, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did, didn't you? 
<laughs> I forgot that I watched it in 2018. No, seriously, I, I was shocked by the Rotten Tomatoes score on that. I can't believe it's yeah. that low. Yeah, well, it was nominated for three Golden Raspberries. Didn't Ooh, win, I don't think it didn't win that. any of them. Um, and also one, I can't remember what the other award is. That's kind of like a Golden Raspberry. It's like the the Nicky Knack Tacky movies or something like that. But you think about all the really shitty yeah. uh, sci-fi that came out right around that right. time. That yes. were all uh, they were all uh, Star Wars ripoffs. And I'm thinking specifically about Star Crash. Okay, <laughs> with David Hasselhoff. Oh, okay. I just watched that this week. I don't even know if I checked that in. Star Crash Bandicoot. All right. Well, I think that I'm going to say recommend as well. Um, give it a chance. Don't uh, don't take the critics' consensus on this one. And with that, we're going to head into intermission. But not before we say, Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some chips and reprogramming i was gonna say bites <laughs> <laughs> megabytes all right chop shoppers thank you for bearing with us during intermission this is your host travis and i just have one question for you sean what is one way we could make our podcast more prominent Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh, yeah, subscribe. on iTunes. And, or and, and pin your friends down and, and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under like, like, like Make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it. and multiply. A podsy scheme. Oh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show, don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinema chop shop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at Cinema Chop Shop. We do a lot of stuff on there like our movie marathon where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. And now... On with the show. Welcome back, Chop Shoppers, and thank you for bearing with us during intermission. Uh, when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And what's our first one going to be? We've got three today, right? Three, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's from Flying Machine Brewing Company. In, it could be a robot. Yeah, it's in Wilmington, North Carolina. It's called Logger Mountain. It's it a, begs the question, are drones robots? They are controlled by humans. Mm-hmm. And they are mechanical. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Okay, next question. The self-checkout at the grocery store, is it okay to argue with them and call them robot? <laughs> yes. Here, I, I think so. Oh, that's tasty. Yeah, that's a nice, clean... It's not too malty, very crisp, uh -uh. good carbonation. The only thing that I'm griping about is that it's, uh, it's sold in four packs in 16-ounce cans. I want a 
six pack. Six pack of twelve ounces. Sure. Or yeah. six pack of sixteen ounces. They don't even do that. I want a whole case. All right. Well, while we're enjoying that, we are going to get into our 2020 movie marathon. And this is where we on the show and anybody else who would like to participate try to watch as many movies as we can throughout the calendar year. This year, because it's a leap year, the number we're aiming for is 366. It is, as of this recording, the 297th day of the year. What number are you on, Sean? I'm edging this week. Oh, God. I'm right there on the cusp. Yes. It's uh, 365. Uh, you're you're in the uncanny Harry Canyon. <laughs> I'm on 350. Chelsea? I'm on 287. 287? That's still pretty good. You're um, you're only 10 behind the day. There's plenty of time left. Uh, also, we check these in on Letterboxd and Twitter with the hashtag 2020 Movie Marathon. I will check in virtuosity from 1995 mm-hmm. featuring the evil robot played by um russell crow russell crow yes a uh, fairly young russell crow i guess uh, in my opinion a, a very prissy russell crow okay dressed like he was a reject from the band color me bad well he hadn't <laughs> quite figured out how to harness his anger and throw telephones at people yet yeah he plays the role of sid 6.7 he uh-huh. is a virtual reality construct and he is the villain in the in the simulation and uh he basically gets out our customers would call it virtuous city (laughs) yes they would read this book the novelization of it when i was a kid because Mm -hmm. i think my sister gave it to me as like a stocking stuffer you know it's funny you should mention that it reminds me of the william gibson stuff okay it never translates well to film especially for the time because the special effects are so terrible and in my review i said crow's performance was not the least bit threatening those effects we're special, all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I watched with commercial interruption, and the commercials had better effects. Ooh! Somehow, Ouch. somehow, Lawnmower Man gets slammed over this movie. These effects were awful, and uh, I didn't really care for Russell Crowe's performance. Chelsea, you want to tell us about one of yours? Uh, sure. I only have two. Okay. So the first one is from the Criterion seventies mm-hmm. horror. Oh, nice. Um, it's a Cronenberg called Rabid. So I liked it, but had couple, reservations. A couple issues. I liked Shivers better. Okay. Which is that came out so Cronenberg? Yeah. It, it is. It came out two years before this one. It did. And it, a lot of stuff lines up with this one. And this was on Criterion when they did the 70s sci fi. Okay. I loved Shivers. I thought it was great. Gotcha. This one, it's like a zombie type thing, but this girl gets this plastic surgery that's sort of controversial and it goes wrong and she ends up with this i don't know if you want to call it a parasite something a goiter something comes out from her body to bite somebody else to infect them oh wow and for the longest time like for the first half of the movie i was like is this is this coming out of her boob like is, <laughs> are these does she have killer tits when i found out it was in her armpit oh. i was slightly disappointed gotcha um, it was played by Marilyn Chambers, uh, adult Deep film throat. actress. Yes. Yes. And it's her first uh, foray into legit, quote unquote, legitimate. This is not a Watergate she, podcast. Well, listen, she was pretty topless for uh-huh. a lot of it. So she did have killer tits. 
I mean, yeah. yes, but not in, in the way that I thought uh-huh. that I was excited about. And it also got me thinking, I wish coronavirus looked how this looked. Oh. So people would wear their fucking masks. Ooh, hot take. Yeah. Nice job. So I'm going to go for my first check-in this week. It's going to be number 346, and it's called Vampires versus the Bronx from 2020. <laughs> this is on Netflix, and it is a cool comedic horror with an in-your-face gentrification metaphor. Almost like Attack the Block yeah, or like a Goonies-style setup, but it's set in the Bronx, and the kids are all either black or Puerto Rican, and all of these mom-and-pop businesses keep getting bought up by the same corporation, and one thing leads to another. Spoiler alert, the people who are buying up all the property are vampires, and they're gentrifying the neighborhood to build their nests. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought that it was perfect for this time of year, and uh, it had a little bit of gore, but it also had a little bit of like a family quality to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My next check-in will be Red Planet. I mentioned it earlier. I went into this with very low expectations, and I enjoyed it. Okay. It's like a dumbed-down version of The Martian. With Matt Damon. And I asked the question, is it in all of Carrie Ann Moss's contracts that she wears spaghetti-strap tank tops in every movie? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Because I think she does. Well, at least in the the main three. The the Holy Trinity. Yeah, I'm I'm not complaining. But uh, it it's okay. It's got you know she's in it. It's uh, Tom Sizemore before he went off the cliff. Oh wow! Uh, and Val Kilmer before he went off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a self-contained film, it was pretty good. I thought the music was good and special effects were good. And that I mentioned Amy the robot was pretty menacing. They actually uh, Val Kilmer and Tom Sizemore based their careers on the finale of Thelma and Louise. <laughs> yes, they went over that cliff Holding together, hands. holding hands. All right. You have another one for us, Chelsea? I do. I have one more. It's a it. documentary on Hulu. Okay. Uh, it's called Totally Under Control. All right. Tell me how it's not totally under control. It's really not. <laughs> what um, is it? It's about the government's handling of coronavirus. Oh, wow. So very oh, recent, it's very great. topical. All of the people that were let go give interviews. Totally under control. Gotcha. Gotcha. Give interviews. Um, just the shit show that happened here compared to countries that got it right right and how we are going to be paying this price for a while big time yes Uh, don't forget to vote yeah so i've also got a documentary it's a little bit lighter it's called i pastafari and it is a documentary about the pastafarian religion who um they gather and uh worship the flying spaghetti monster and have sued to be able to wear their colanders on their heads in their license photos uh i said anyone who dismisses pastafarianism as a quote satirical religion doesn't get the point of the satire and they're kind of like modern day satanists yeah they're the main thing that they're against is the overlapping of church and state yes Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really cool. And also, uh, former guest and future guest Knowles liked my tweet about it. Oh, he's a huge uh, supporter of the FSM. Yes. Um, before I check my next one, do you want to talk about the next beer? Oh, next beer is going to be a somewhat on-theme beer that we might have checked in before under a different label, or maybe it was a different variety of I this. think it's a different variety because ours was a strong ale. And this, this is-, is a hazy India pale ale, dry hopped with mosaic and Simcoe, and it's called People Power. And 
where would robots be without people power? Good point. But also, this is a collaboration between or a partnership of craft brewers and the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. And a portion of the proceeds from this beer goes towards protecting voting rights for all Americans. And we're going to crack it open right now. Oh, and this is from Westbrook down in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. All right. So while you're enjoying that uh, first sip, I'm going to check in kind of the granddaddy of the uh, evil robot movies. Uh-huh. Uh, not, I'm sorry. I guess the granddaddy would be uh, Metropolis. Absolutely. With Maria. Also the first science fiction movie. But I'm going to go with the modern day one that you mentioned last week. I, I watched The Day the Earth Stood Still. Ah, okay. Now the this original, is the original. 1951. Yes. And I said, 69 years later and we still haven't all right, changed. All right. <laughs> we haven't changed as a people. As sci-fi goes, it makes good use of the, we're the bad guys oh. con- conundrum. Yeah. I don't understand why Gort is considered an evil robot. Uh, he's just protecting his master, his maker. Right. And uh, it, it, it does play the, it points out the good lesson that, you know, if we keep squabbling over uh, the stupid shit, Space Force is never going to get off the ground. <laughs> uh, so the very first scene uh, that we see Gort, he uh, melts all of the army's weapons. Yeah. Isn't that right? With yeah. his laser beam eyes. Yeah. it's uh, They have a zero to- tolerance policy mm-hmm. uh, towards violence of any kind. So it's kind of a thinly veiled anti-war message movie. That's very much. I don't even, wouldn't even call it thinly veiled. Yeah. It's just uh, our squabbles are, are pointless and petty. Yeah. When you consider that they're bigger things than all of us. I think this brings up a very good point that uh, science fiction and fantasy in general are kind of uh, looked down upon a little bit by intellectuals and and things like that. But sometimes, I'm not going to say more often than not, but sometimes it's a metaphor for real world problems, things that we're actually dealing with. Oh, sure. By the way, this beer is quite nice. I like it. Um, I love love Mosaic and Simcoe. That's Uh a good combo. And I almost wonder if there's lactose in it. It's a little creamy. A little milkshakey. Yeah, but uh, speaking of uh, Mosaic, it uh, looks like uh, Seminar Brewing is gearing up to do a canning of that Zake. Sipping on that Zake? Oh, oh, hey, did you guys see that Blade and Bull gave you a shout out on Instagram? No. No. Uh, for your last week's episode, Axe Murderers. Oh, nice. Oh, they tagged well, it. Yeah, well, uh, Vincent, the uh, Florence manager of Blade and Bull, was supposed to be a guest on that episode, but couldn't work it out with his schedule. We're going to have him on again in the future. Good, good. Vincent's a good guy and I a like good supporter a of the show. All right. So I've got one more. Is it yeah. my turn? Yep. All right. This one is called Evil Eye. It's number 348 for me. It's another 2020 movie. And the premise is that a Indian mother believes that her daughter's new boyfriend is her reincarnated abusive ex. Oh. And... It wasn't my idea to watch it. It was Michelle, my lovely wife, Michelle's idea. Drink. And at first I was like, wait a minute. This is a Lifetime movie. (laughs) But (laughs) turns out it's actually part of the Welcome to the Blumhouse series of films that have been coming out. Yeah, they've really been cranking them out on Amazon. So this is one of them um, called Evil Eye. And turns out not bad. Cool. Yeah. All right, so... Let's do one more before one more we beer? move on. Yeah. All right. 
This is uh, from Amor Artis. Yes. In Fort Mill. Love art. And it's called Pirate's Breakfast. It's called, it's a, a coffee, Imperial Stout. Brew. You know what pirates eat for breakfast? Booty. <laughs> it's brewed with cocoa nibs. Cacao! Cacao! <laughs> rum barrel aged coffee beans from uh, Javeska Coffee Brewing. So, yeah. So, Javeska? Javeska. <laughs> Javeska. So, uh, ooh, I can already smell the coffee from this can. Isn't Javeska the name of Johnny Depp's current girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get that glass over here. <laughs> Dork. <laughs> I'm editing all of that out. No, that's a good one. Keep that in. All right. While we are checking that out, we're going to move it along to the second part. Oh, my. Of our feature segment. Oh, boy. Smells pretty, pretty boozy. No, Ooh, that's surprisingly smooth oh, that's pretty well balanced Ooh, you i want, can dig it you want some of that yeah <laughs> you want some pirate booty <laughs> oh also that's a that's a the name of like a vegan popcorn pirate's booty have you guys ever had that it's oh really yeah mm, i have not all right so the second part of our feature segment the recast continued 2.0 and this one is going to be a movie that i didn't know about at all prior to this there are reasons it's uh from 1987 it's called the caller directed by arthur allen seidelman no rating on rotten tomatoes yeah you think it's just because it's that obscure maybe i don't know so one night an odd stranger in need asks a woman living alone in a house in the woods if he can use her phone it soon becomes clear that they're playing a strange mind game and that there's something unnatural about their interactions can we flesh this out a little bit without giving too much away? It's... Yeah, you go ahead. No, 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 I lost my train of thought. Well, it, it, it kind of like very stiltingly resets itself. Yes. These scenes like run, run, run smack into each other and it yeah. doesn't make sense. Why are you wearing different clothes? Yeah. Why are you pretending to be something different than the last scene? And so you, you kind of have to puzzle it all together yes. of what's going on. Well, I wanted to know why she always had water boiling in the kitchen and why there was so much fucking food for one person. Hmm. Maybe she was cooking for her family that was not present. Because at one point he's he says he's investigating the murder of her husband and child, right? Yeah. No, just her husband. husband right. One of one of the ruses that he tries to pull on her. And I should say he is Malcolm McDowell. Yes. Of Clockwork Orange fame. And she is Madeline Smith, now known as Madeline Smith Osborne. Uh, he's the caller and she's the girl. Uh, we would know Madeline Smith Osborne from Funny Farm with Chevy Chase. And also 2010, the year we make contact, the sequel to 2001, A Space Odyssey. And she walked away from movies Almost right after this, she married a like a footballer whose last name was Osborne and hmm. just like raised her kids. Okay. So it seems cool. like she got out of the simulation. <laughs> uh, also, have you guys ever seen the show Wayward Pines? I watched no. one episode. Okay. So I think that the premise of that show is kind of similar to this. Mm. I didn't really care for this. I, I, I think I liked it more than you. Uh, you definitely did. It felt 
like a TV movie. Speaking of TV movies, a little bit. I think it could have been handled better to make it more interesting. I remember in your review you said that as much as you appreciate a film with only two characters, and I do, once you kind of got the twist, you lost interest. Uh, very much so, because I was like, okay, now I get it, and what's going to happen, and even the resolution kind of. I was, I was disappointed. In my review, I said the question remains: How many times have they played quote the, the game. game? And that's a great point. I, I agree. That is interesting because you don't know where you're picking up this story. Yes, I and, think I lie in the middle. Okay, only because I didn't like it when I watched it. But, I was I was bored, but I'm to this very moment. I am still thinking about still it, thinking asking about a question asking questions going <laughs> what the fuck you're still thinking about that boiling water yeah yeah that. the no. the persistence of memory as uh salvador dali would say uh all right so let's get into the roles that we're recasting first we've got the caller played by malcolm mcdowell he was 44 at the time and then we've got the girl played by madeline smith osborne who was 30 at the time do you want to go first chelsea sure who did you go for with the caller uh, my actor was in, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this, but, um, it? it's Star Wars. Oh, I thought you were going to say the mouse and the motorcycle. Oh, that's such a good book. I, <laughs> I love that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, he was in, uh, Star Wars, uh, A Most Violent Year. Uh-huh. Ex Machina. Uh-huh. <laughs> I went with Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaacs. Yes, he's awesome. Um... He is going to play some... Oh, he's going to be Scarface. He's going to be Tony Montana in the... No, I'm sorry. That's Diego Luna. No, he's going Diego to be... Luna. He's going to be Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, and oh. Diego Luna is going to be Tony Montana. He's going to, and It's the Godfather making of... No, 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 no! I'm thinking of the remake of Scarface. No, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the biopic about the making of The Godfather. Okay, he's gonna play Oscar Isaac's is gonna play Francis Francis Ford Coppola. Ford Coppola, and in the reboot or remake of Scarface, Diego Luna is gonna play Tony Montana. All right, we got there, guys. Next up, okay, so I had one person in mind as I was watching this movie, mm -hmm. and it's kind of a no brainer for me. He's 49 years old. He's from Scotland. He was in Fargo, the TV series. He is filming uh, the voice part of Cricket for Pinocchio. Wait, the Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio? Uh, is it? I think, yeah, yeah, he's I think doing a his. much darker, yeah. darker version of Pinocchio. Um, but, I mean, if I say any of his other movies, it's just a dead giveaway. He was in Moulin Rouge. He was in Star Wars. Oh, he was yeah. in Train Spotting. I went with Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor. You win, we all win. Yes. All right, my pick is 44 now as well. He is Irish, uh, not English, but Irish. He was in 28 Days Later. He was in Batman Begins. He was in Sunshine, Dunkirk, and Inception. His name is Killian Murphy. There you go. Killian <laughs> Murphy. That's off to Dana for those and corrections. <laughs> as soon as uh, I, I can... Take off my Halloween costume. I'm going to get a haircut just like that. <laughs> I love it. But I need to keep this hair for my Halloween costume. That's a clue. Chelsea? Yes? Are you ready? I'm ready. Who are you going with? For the girl. Uh, She's been in a few things. Was she in she, Star Wars? She was not in Star Wars. 
Uh, she was in The Danish Girl. Ex Machina? Yeah, she was. I don't know if you've heard of her. Tomb Raider? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her name is Alicia Vikander. Vikander. I can't say it. She's also really, really naked in Tulip Fever, if you guys have never seen that. There's a joke in there somewhere. Two lips. Sean, your pick for the girl. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> I meant like so two lips kissing each other. Oh my God. Wait, don't. You have to hear this. I just found out what a pearl necklace was today. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Um, right before your 43rd birthday, I'm glad that you finally figured that out. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Sean, who's your pick for the girl? I'm going to keep all that in. <laughs> all right. So um, in, in thinking about this actress, uh, I wanted somebody who was beautiful. Uh, I wanted someone who played the, the the trapped role very well. And this actress has done so in her most famous role. But she's been in a lot of stuff that I wasn't even aware of. Um, she was in the X-Files Reopened. She was in Tyrant. She was a voice in the Penguins of Madagascar. What? Uh, she was hmm? in the Walking Dead World Beyond TV series. Thing. Yeah, apparently it is. That's a web series. Oh, Okay. And, Does it uh, say 2022 on it? No, 2020. She was in the Romanoffs, but uh, her most famous part was the role of Nina in The Americans. I went with Annette Mahindru. Okay. All right. I can see it for sure. Um, Very interesting. Do you have a theme for your picks? No, there's no theme. Okay. No. What was my theme? Uh, <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. My pick for... The girl is 33 now. Uh, she was in Filth. Did you guys see Filth? I don't think so. Uh, Say it again. Filth? Am I saying it wrong? Filth? <laughs> I always want to put another F in it. She was in Svengali. The Chloe Svengali story. <laughs> She's in A Little Place Off the Edge of the Road and Jekyll and Hyde. Her name is Natasha O'Keefe. Natasha O'Keefe is... Oh, I dig it. Yeah, yeah. Going to be. And so I do have a theme with my pairing, yeah. my two people. Do you guys know what it is? No. They're both on Peaky Blinders. Oh, okay. You like the Peaky Blinders haircut. I like the haircut. I've never seen the show. <laughs> All right. So um, I think we've probably kind of given away our recommends, right? Yeah. Yeah. You guys I are not so. recommending. I'm giving no, it a mild I recommend. Soft. Soft recommend soft. for you. No recommend for me. No recommend from Sean. Are we ready to go into the final bonus segment? Yep. Yeah. So it's going to be a battle bot royale between the previously mentioned Ed 209 versus Hal 9000 versus the T 800. So, of course, Ed 209 is the original prototype for a Robocop in the movie Robocop uh, that doesn't work out because it misinterprets uh, people's threat levels. Yeah. Right. Uh, then HAL 9000, of course, from 2001, A Space Odyssey. And finally, the T-800 is the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator from the original Terminator. Okay. Um, I'm basing my pick off the movie I like the best, mm -hmm. so I'm going with HAL. HAL. Shallow HAL. 
I always liked that's the, not the, a good movie. No, I always liked the design of Ed. I always thought that looked so cool, but um, defeatable as proven in the film. Mm-hmm. Same goes for Terminator. True. Um, God, Hal, all you got to do is disconnect him. Eesh. I'm going to go with the Terminator. You go with Terminator? Yeah, he's tougher to take down. Yeah, I think so too. I'm also going to go with Terminator because uh, A, I really like the first movie and the second movie. I T1 love the and second. T2. I love the yeah. second movie. Terminator 2 was the first movie I ever saw in a drive-in movie theater. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to know what my first movie in a drive-in movie theater I do was? I know what it was. It was Footloose <laughs> and there was an earthquake. <laughs> All right, so we figured that out. It's time to wrap it up. I want to thank you. Uh, I'm not going to say your name in binary code, but Chelsea, thank you for being here and doing what you do. Thanks for having me. I want to thank the engineer and ask either of you, do you have anything to plug? Oh, my birthday. Duh. Your birthday will have already passed by the time this airs. No, it won't. Oh, you're doing a whole weekend. Our birthday's Tuesday. My birthday is on Your Tuesday. It's Tuesday. And this she's is already week- started celebrating, folks. No, this is the weekend before. Oh. And then okay. next weekend is Halloween. That's why I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. I well, can't this, share. You could, do, you could do like a 10 day, 10 day birthday bash. Listen, October 1st. Mm hmm. Um, I was upset that nobody was wishing me happy birthday month every day. <laughs> happy, I was birth- happy birth month? Yes. <laughs> Sean, anything you want to plug, sir? Um, Halloween and uh, you know celebrate responsibly. Yes, it's time to vote. It's time to vote. And also, uh, you said there's a new beer coming up at the brewery. Uh, the yeah. mosaic. Yeah. Well, mosaic is is on the horizon. Okay. Uh, most immediately is uh, Hull, the uh, Muscadine Grape Sour. Ooh, interesting. It's going to be bottled very you soon. You showed me the label for that. I'm interested to try it. All right. I want to ask you guys. Do you know what next week's episode is? <laughs> Serial killers. Serial killer movies. And we're going to go out with a bang, I think, if everyone shows up. We're going to have a full house. Oh, yes, for serial killer movie episode. Yeah, it, plenty of victims. And uh, so here is your sneak peek trivia question and answer. Not for this coming week, because there's no trivia on the 28th, but for the following week. This will be your sneak preview question and answer. Uh, in the 1994 John Waters dark comedy Serial Mom, uh, it was the feature film debut of Matthew Lillard in the role of Chip, who also auditioned for that same role, according to IMDb trivia on that movie. Don't everybody speak up at the is same it, time. What's his name? Skeet Ulrich? Skeet Ulrich? Yeah. You think that his co-star from Scream also auditioned for the hey, role listen. in Serial Mom? Yeah. I'm right. just throwing something out there because yes. I have no idea. Leo DiCaprio. Leo decapitated. <laughs> um, so no, actually, it was Wesley Wheatins himself, oh. Will Wheaton. <laughs> All right, so that is your sneak preview question and answer for two weeks from now trivia. Um, we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We're hosted online on Podbean. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. We are at Cinema Chop Shop on Twitter. We are Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. Our email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. And the three beers that we checked in today will be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. It's kind of like a social network for beer. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there as well. Finally, thank you, the listeners. Please remember that Black Lives Matter, wear a mask, and vote like your fucking life depends on it because it really does. Mm-hmm. 
And always remember to watch, chop, chop reprogram. Oh, God damn it. <laughs>